Our next speaker comes to us from Waco, Baylor University. Uh, he's the curriculum director uh, at Baylor, uh, Dr. Andrew Gallucci. I was a little worried when I was going to give this talk about burnout because it's in January and I was sitting there thinking, well, people aren't really burned out in January. But then I saw I was one of the last speakers and I was like, okay, we're good. You'll at least have some context. Um, so we're going to have a, what I hope to be just a little talk about burnout in athletic training and kind of some of the, the things that you can do uh, to manage it. So I always like to start with, I don't have any conflict of interest here. I'm not selling anything that you're going to buy. Uh, there's, there's nothing that's going to happen as far as that is concerned. I would, though, like to start by saying, uh, going back to my title slide, Dr. Leslie Oglesby is the, pro, is the clinical coordinator at the University of Southern Mississippi. Uh, he was my doctoral student when I was at Baylor and helped write a lot of this uh, PowerPoint. So this is the line of research we've done together. So it was a talk that's kind of easy for me to put together because it's stuff I do every day. Uh, so here are officially the learning objectives. Uh, you can see them in your programs and those things. I will not regale you by reading them to you. What I will say, though, is before we start, this isn't the matrix. There isn't a red pill, blue pill moment. There's not going to be something where I'm going to tell you, hey, if you take this, if you wave a magic wand or those sorts of things happen, like burnout is going to go away. It doesn't exist. I can't offer it to you. Um, so uh, really the big thing in burnout and talking about it is recognition and understanding. And if you have those two things, you're probably better off than most. Okay. So here's the plan. We're going to talk about burnout and what it is officially, um, because I think most people don't understand a lot of that. Then we're going to discuss uh, how burnout affects healthcare in general, uh, and then athletic trainers. And then we'll go through and identify all of those processes. And most importantly, the last part, things that you can do that are what I would consider realistic um, ways to help you manage that, that feeling. So in one of the very few things that I'll actually read to you is burnout is defined as a mental state of physical and emotional exhaustion or stress reaction to a person's inability to cope with the demands of the occupation. That is official. Now, what I want you to see is that it's physical and emotional. It's not just one or the other. Um, and some people can suffer one more than the other. Uh, some can be physically exhausted while be emotionally fine. But when you're truly burned out, it is both a physical and an emotional reaction to that stress. So the solution to it is both physical and emotional. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of go wrong. Uh, so in 1982, uh, Maslach came up with a better definition, I think, of burnout because we now have these three factors, which I'll talk about here in greater detail. Uh, you have emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, uh, and decreased sense of personal accomplishment. So there's actually a scale, um, a survey that, that my colleagues and I send out as part of this research that actually measure this and quantify it in a very validated scale. Uh, so it'll ask you questions about your feelings, and that's where these three central tenets of burnout came from. So emotional exhaustion, I think, is the one that everybody really understands. I just got a full night's sleep. I woke up, 
and I feel tired. I don't want to do anything. I got into the office early. I got in the athletic training facility early to get some additional paperwork done. Uh, and I found myself just reading the news or scrolling social media because my brain simply won't allow me to engage in what I need to do. And it's your brain saying, no, we're, we're done here, okay? Um, depersonalization is that impersonal reaction. Um, and I always like to say it's that ACL kid or, oh, there's that girl with the SI joint problem. So instead of people having names and positions and things like that, you really break things down to a far more basic level. And again, it's a, it's a protection mechanism. Now I will say, in the definition of depersonalization, it says it includes cynicism. I added that here because I think most athletic trainers who are worth their weight are cynical people, right? That's part of what we do. So I'm not sure that is a, uh, a variable you might want to consider because I know I'm still pretty cynical and I've not been practicing clinically for uh, 10 years now. This is my 11th year at Baylor. Um, but if you find yourself being overly cynical, uh, that can certainly be a sign that you're starting to become burned out. And then the last one is, is a feeling of personal accomplishment. So this is an inverse relationship. So if you are not feeling accomplished or the, if you obtain a goal and when you obtain it, you're just kind of like, eh, probably burned out. I know that uh, at Baylor, we just went through our KD reaccreditation cycle. So the KD was with us for two days, basically asking for everything that we've ever produced ever. And at the end of it, they're like, hey, you got 10 years of, of reaccreditation. And everybody else is congratulating me. And I'm like, I just want to go in the fetal, I want to go home in the fetal position. I want to take a nap for about three days. I was fully burned out at that point. So there was no sense of joy of accomplishing it. It was just Okay, on to the next thing. So when you have one of these things, you start to evaluate your burnout levels, but in totality, again, you can see this is sort of that emotional and physical side of that, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the other physical things that you might see if you're suffering from burnout. So, why is burnout common in healthcare? Because we don't like to disappoint people as athletic trainers. We don't like to say no. That's a problem. Um, you, you really, and what we'll get to and what we'll talk about later is ways to identify those boundaries and set them. But we get into this profession because we want to help people. So telling someone that I, I can't help you because I have to help myself first isn't something that comes naturally to athletic trainers in general, right? Um, so you can see it's not just us, uh, other healthcare providers. So this is, again, EE's emotional exhaustion. So you can see the rates of emotional exhaustion for people burned out in healthcare are pretty across the board. Um, depersonalization, again, that's the one where the ACL kid or the, the ankle girl, again, this is a little higher in um, psychologists athletic trainers, and even physicians. And then that decreased sense of, pers of uh, personal accomplishment, again, is kind of similar in physicians and athletic trainers. So these are all the most recent studies that I could find on burnout in these um, different professions so that you can see where athletic training compares. What I will tell you is that this is the most recent 
uh, research that my colleague, Dr. Oglesby, and I did. So this is an up-to-date, like, last year coming out. Before that, the last thing that had been done on burnout and athletic training was like the early 90s. So there's still a lot of work that we have to do to help understand what's happening at the different settings uh, of athletic training. But as we all know, we're all burned out and we all are burned out and the, the pandemic hasn't helped. Now, why we're burned out is the important thing to understand in these perspectives. So athletic training students, I, I tell people all the time, because they'll tell me, well, you know, the students these days, they're just not this or they're just not that. I think that most people don't understand the educational rigor that we expect of our students these days is on and beyond anything that was ever asked of me when I was in school. And that was just in the 90s, to date myself. Um, so they have a different sense of demands and they have a different sense of um, what is and isn't important to them, which they struggle with. Athletic training faculty, we struggle because there's this thing called the Katie and she always changes the rules on us and it just doesn't stop, right? But for the rest of these, burnout is very much on those demands. So in graduate assistant and now intern athletic trainers, the burnout is high and people are gonna leave the profession because they're the one that everything gets sloughed off on. And, and in collegiate athletic training, especially in, at Baylor where I work, uh, you see that the graduate assistants are the ones that are kinda always the gophers and doing some of the other things and that on top of another 40 or 50 hours of work or 60 hours of work in, in season uh, can be draining. So here is a model that we used in our research. So this is Smith's cognitive model. It's actually used in um, collegiate athletes, but we used it because I think it's pretty relevant to how burnout is experienced in athletic trainers as well because we go through a lot of the same demands as an athlete. We're just not out on the field and in the meetings. We're setting up and breaking down and treating and all of those other things. So again, what I want you to see here is cognitive appraisal and the physiological response. That's emotional and physical reaction to this. Now, we have these situational factors and then we have this appraisal and then we decide how we're gonna cope with it. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But the overlying factors, the personality and the motivational factors. So to my point earlier, we're helping professions. So if we're people who don't want to disappoint, that personality and the way you address and attack your job is directly related to the amount of burnout or feelings of overwhelming that you're gonna feel because it's gonna affect everything. It affects your situation, it affects your, your mentality, it affects your physical health. Um, to give an example is if you like to exercise as a coping mechanism, you're probably gonna be in better physical shape than I am because that's not my coping mechanism. So that's where this inner relationship comes from. So one of these situational factors going into that model, we have a lot of different situational factors, but the big overarching theme here lies in two places. We have work-family conflict and family-work conflict. And no, I didn't mess that up or reverse them. Uh, it's important to understand both. So what we most, most of us acknowledge is 
that work-family conflict is something that we all understand. And that comes from the demands of the job, right? There's these unflexible hours or these overwhelming demands or this weird schedule, and more time at work means less time at home, right? And we most often understand burnout in those terms. But there's also the flip side of that is if someone is trying to start a family or just had their first child and they want to be home with their family members, that conflict goes the other way. I feel like I need to be with my family or I have a parent that's getting older or I have a um, young child that I need to take care of or I don't have good social support. That can create family work conflict, which is, again, the opposite but interrelated to, to work uh, family conflict. So these are both common in situations in athletic training, and I've seen them all. Work-family conflict is by far the one that most often rears its head, but I think it's important to note that the pull to take care of your family works kind of both ways. You either pick your work or so at some point, especially when you become burned out, you feel like I either have to pick my work or I have to pick my family, or you have to create balance. And if you don't create balance, that's where the problems occur. So other situational fa uh, factors. So here's the definition of role strain. And again, I, I don't like to read slides to people. You're perfectly capable. But what role strain really is, is you feel like you're a jack of all trades and a master of none, right? So you're always being asked to, I know when I was in professional baseball, they would ask me to do the laundry or to do the coolers and to do this and to do that. Well, can you help set up the hotel room? Can you help unload the bus? That's role strain. Like there are different people for different jobs. And I know uh, Baylor has just undergone a, a change in a, a lot of the sports med medicine philosophy we have there. And we had older athletic trainers and they were scheduling like planes and hotel rooms. And when they moved on to other jobs, what we found is that we have a whole department for that thing. So why was the athletic trainer doing it? Um, so really, when we're talking about role strain, it's about this role ambiguity. What is my job? Am I the healthcare provider or am I doing these other things? It's also related to workload, again, related, and then compensation because Oftentimes, we're going to look and say, I don't get paid enough for this. That is role strain. Anytime you say those words, that is you experiencing role strain. I just don't get paid enough to deal with that. Okay? So social support. And this is a really important part of burnout is the more social support you have, the better off you will be. So there is a whole, whole body of literature that says that uh, people who are more religious and attend services because of the social support that's already built into that um, do better with burnout and coping and things like that because they have this way to deal with the stress. And if I can tell you nothing today, it's how do you deal with the stress, how do you balance your life is directly related to how burned out you are. So the more social support you have, and this is why we have this inverse relationship here, the less burned out you have. The more you feel isolated, the more you will feel burned out. So the less social support you feel like you have, the more burnout you will start to experience. So now let's talk about some of those physical, um, physical 
attributes associated with burnout. So you can see high, high blood pressure, weight changes, and uh, gastrointestinal issues are all hallmarks of someone who is burned out. It's also the athletic trainer that said, hey, what time, why am I hungry? Oh, it's because it's been 12 hours and I forgot to eat again. Uh, I think we've all kind of done that one in our lives, right? So weight changes, I don't want to eat. I'm always, so some people, when they deal with stress, that's why it says weight changes, they eat a lot. They're stress eaters. And other people don't eat at all. So they are basically stress um, averse to food. Then you have that emotional aspect, which we already talked about emotional exhaustion, but with emotional exhaustion also comes irritability and depression. So you'll find yourself snapping at people when you shouldn't, um, or sort of wallowing in your own misery, or some of those other uh, depressive type things. So again, just to belabor the point, it's both physical and emotional when you're uh, suffering from burnout. So now, how do we cope with it? So there are two theories. There's a theory that's defined coping in two ways. There's approach-based coping, and there's avoidance-based coping. So approach-based coping is I'm just going to attack this problem. I'm going to have a good mindset. I'm going to reframe my day. I'm going to try and help myself. Uh, a lot of the approach-based coping things have to do with exercise, meditation, uh, the, the positives that you can do uh, to cope with stress. And then you have the avoidance ones. I'm just not going to deal with it. I'm going to put that in another file. I'm going to put that in a bin. I'm going to put that off till later. If you find yourself doing things that avoid the behavior, then you are doing the avoiding, right? If you find yourself venting to other people or um, just disengaging. Now, one of the biggest things is substance abuse. If you've ever been, now, before the world stopped turning and we could have a big convention, I can tell you what the most common coping mechanism among athletic trainers are because I've been at more than one uh, hotel that's ran out of offerings at happy hour because there were shenanigans happening, right? Um, so I think one of the most common things for us to do is to use this avoidance-based coping because we have such busy days, it's easy to put it off and, and deal with it later but we never deal with it later, which is the problem. Um, so when you use that approach-based coping, more time management skills, when you identify the challenges of the day, you're going to, to be better off. So we just did a study of uh, high school athletic trainers in burnout that I'm working to get published actually this semester. And what we found was the average numbers, of, uh, the average numbers worked reported by that athletic trainer was inversely related to approach-based coping, meaning the more they worked, the less they wanted to use positive coping strategies. So the more they worked, the more likely they were to do all sorts of other things that were probably not the healthiest thing, which is why this is my next slide. So most often they reported two things. Um, drinking alcohol, binge drinking is defined as five or more alcoholic drinks in one sitting. Um, so Friday night for a lot of people, not for me anymore, but used to be. Uh, so you can see in high school athletic trainers, 37% uh, of the sample engaged in at least one binge drinking session in the previous month, which means they just sat down and drank five or six beers, five or six uh, alcoholic beverages. What we also found is athletic trainers really like energy drinks, right? <laughs> 
Why? Well, when you're emotionally exhausted, rather than dealing with the problem and confronting it head on, I'm just going to go to Sam's Club and buy a pallet of Red Bull. And when I feel tired, I'm going to pop one. And then I won't feel tired for a solid two to three hours. And when that wears off, we're going to do it again. Full disclosure, I used to work in professional hockey. I used to have a Red Bull before the game and between each period. So I know, like, I'm preaching to the choir on this. I don't want you to think I'm some holier than thou and have never done this. I've probably found myself more in avoidance than approach than I would like to admit, but that's why I research what I research. So, again, early recognition, am I in emotional exhaustion and that's why I'm taking these energy drinks is what you should start to think about when dealing with burnout. So, other coping mechanisms, we've already talked about depersonalization of patients, but it is a coping mechanism. If I don't care, then I don't care. Like, if I don't care what your name is and what your injury is, and I'm just saying, hey, oh, ACL kid, go into that back table, I'll get to you in a second. That's all that irritability and cynicism coming up. What we also find is, is that as you get burned out, you're more likely to look for another job or leave the profession altogether. If you've been in athletic training long enough, you know the, uh, <laughs> the alumni parties as you get older, get less interesting because you're like, you're looking around and you're one or two people left uh, in the party. And I, I found myself, as I've stayed in this profession now for 20 some odd years, that in my class there are probably only three or four of us still doing it. I would say that's probably a high number. So is the grass greener? I don't know. That's a personal decision for everybody. But that goes back to those work-family conflict, family-work conflict. So people are going to find other jobs um, or other places uh, to go work. Now, what I will tell you is that in athletic training, there are opportunities that don't require you to be on all the time, and I would encourage you to look at those uh, if you're thinking of a change rather than leaving the profession altogether. Because turnover and attrition, I was just talking to a friend the other day, I've never in my life seen as many quality athletic training jobs in, in Division One as I've seen now. Um, one of my former students works at Maryland, and they can't find people to hire for well-sought-after jobs. So it's just a, a crazy time in athletic training, and I think it's because when you get past that uh, pandemic and we had all that time off, people are sitting around going, hey, th this isn't so bad. You know, hey, I don't have to go to work today. I'm, I'm going to zoom in. This is amazing. It wore off for me after about a week. I wanted to go back to work, but that's just me. Um, but one of the other big things is we found in a recent study that as people get more burned out, they make more errors, which affect patient care. So in one of the studies that we did, athletic trainers were reporting um, more medical errors. So right here you can see 18.4% of our sample believe they had made an error of medical judgment in the last month because they, uh, that were reporting levels of burnout that exceeded um, what they should have been. Okay, so as you get burned out, if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to stop taking care of your patients well, which obviously is a problem. So you can see at the bottom here, when we have decreased personal accomplishment and increased emotional exhaustion, medical errors went up. When we had high levels of emotional exhaustion, we had high levels of medical errors. 
So the more exhausted you are, and again, I think we've all been there, right? Where we're like, oh man, I told that person something wrong, or no, I need to correct that tomorrow, or I need to revisit that because I told them wrong, because I'm so tired. That's exactly what we're talking about here. So I've talked about burnout enough. Now what can we do about it? All right. So... (laughs) The first step is always the hardest step. We have to recognize we're burned out. And then we have to ask for help. Speaking as someone who practices an athletic trainer for 10 years before they went back and started teaching, this is not my strength. Asking for help is not my strength. But the only way to reduce role strain, the only way to decrease workload is to ask um, other people to help you. And what I've found, and this is just me in my years of experience in athletic training, is we tend to ask the people who will get stuff done to do things more. And the people that won't get them done, we ask them not to do things. Why? Why should the people who are doing more work do more work as a reward for doing their work well? And I think that's where we come into the problems of burnout is we're trying to do too much and the people who get stuff done continue to try and get stuff done. And you'll hear people say, well, I just know that so-and-so won't do it well. Well, then let them not do it well. And then let them suffer the ramifications from it. Well, that will, st- that will affect patient care. So will you. You know, if you're emotionally exhausted, you're going to suffer, your patients are going to suffer one way or another because either you're going to be making medical errors or that person won't do X, Y, or Z right. And I think that's a really difficult thing to hear, say, and learn is that sometimes we have to let other people do their jobs and not try and do everybody's job at the same time, right? So there are also these situational variables. And so we went over some of them, but what we found in our research is that raises aren't the solution. Well, if I just had more money, I'd feel better. Ah, you'd feel better. You still have less time to spend the money. Like, you're always at work, so it doesn't matter what you're getting paid, because if you're always at work, you're always at work. So there's no time to spend that money on a hobby or anything else. Um, So... What are those, if that excessive workload is a problem, then we need to, you need to work with your boss or your supervisor to better define your role. What is your job? What is my job? Is it, if you want me to schedule travel all day, I'll do that, but then somebody else needs to do this. And this is a really hard thing, and this is, again, me just saying, this is a really hard conversation to have with your boss because then there's that fear of losing your job or moving on to to other jobs. But again, I would argue, if we go back to this, you're already intending to leave the profession. If you're already intending to leave the profession or leave your job, if you don't have this conversation, then why not have the conversation anyway? Because if things continue to go as they are, you will continue to be burned out and you will continue to think about leaving your job or your profession altogether so why not have that conversation, you know? Nothing ventured, nothing gained in my. Now, if your boss or your supervisor says, well, I just want you to continue to do those things and I don't really care, then at least you know. And then you at least, you know, you know what? Actually, I probably do need to start looking for another job. 
they're, they're, you're not hurting for jobs out here right now, not in athletic training, not from what I'm seeing, okay? So establish priorities and boundaries. Turn it off. You know, I found I was getting really burned out, and so what I did was I have a little thing on my Outlook that won't allow me to get an email between 7 p.m. and 7 a.m., because I was responding to, to emails at all times of the night for whatever reason, I don't know. And for the first week, I found that, you know, people were like, oh, you didn't email me back. And then after a week or two or a month, what, what happened is people stopped to emailing me there and expecting me to reply then. People will adjust. Now, some of you are probably thinking, well, I have so-and-so, an AD, uh, a supervisor that has to get through, and that's why my phone is always on or my email is always on. There are settings in your do not disturb in your phone and your do not disturb in your email where you can identify people whose emails can get through or whose phone calls can get through. And what you'll find is more often than not, you have your phone on because, well, what if my AD calls me or what if my boss calls me? What ends up happening is, is all of the other people, hey, I, I couldn't go to the pharmacy because I couldn't find it. I didn't get my pills. What do you want me to do? That's a division one problem without question, but why is that your problem that they can't find the pharmacy? You know, if the athlete, you know, hey, I'm having GI problems and I just went to the emergency room. Okay, we'll talk about it tomorrow. That's not gonna change it today. So setting up a do not disturb where only those people can get through, if there's an emergency, you can still talk to them and you can still have that conversation, but all the other stuff starts to fade away. If you don't set those boundaries, see previous conversation. We're just gonna continue down that road and when we continue down that road, you're either going to intend to leave the profession or the job or you're getting involved in substance abuse, like usually not good things happen from there. Um, increase social support. So uh, there's a bunch of different ways to do that. There's a lot of social media support groups out there. If you're feeling isolated, if you're feeling alone in your job, there are more resources out there than you know, and I would encourage you to look into those. And I have on my next slide, I have some of those. But there are all sorts of different Instagram and Facebook and Twitter groups, uh, women in athletic training, professional athletic trainers, um, obviously, I work at Baylor, I'm, I'm big into spirituality, so if you can go to a church or a synagogue or a temple or whatever you believe in, that is going to increase your social support. The way people get burned out is they feel alone, they feel helpless, they feel overwhelmed, and when they do those things, you either cave to the pressure or you keep fighting until you can't cave to the pressure. Um, so finding some sort of social support is going to help with those burnout symptoms. So, I always like this, this quote. You are not required to set yourself on fire to keep others warm. That, to me, is what burnout is. Like, you don't have to burn down marriages and relationships and all of those other things to do your job well. You should just do your job well within the confines of what that job is, right? So, again, I've talked about the spiritual, but the, the balance is key. Now, where I struggle with some of my students is they have the, the life-work balance. They want to go to homecoming, and they want to do all these other things. Like, well, no, there's not a 20-hour-a-week rule anymore, so we're going to need you here a little bit more. 
versus some of us older, like me, I just always am at work and I need to not be and I need to learn to get better at that. So finding that balance is key and that balance for everybody is different. I can't sit here and tell you, well, you need to spend X number of time at work and X number of time away from work because that's not the way this works, okay? And then finally, you can see there's some resources here. So there's a mental health hotline. I give that to all of my students. I give that to all of my um, patients if I, when I interacted with them. Uh, mental health is huge right now. Uh, we need to stop overlooking it and treating it as, well, you're just a little under, you're just suffering from the blues. Like, we really need to attack this. It's a personal passion project of mine. And to that social support group, there's also AT Cares, and the number is right here. Um, there's an email, and there's also uh, a website. AT Cares is designed to help people in their jobs filling these things and, and helping them overcome that. So that's kind of what I have, and I'm just here to answer any questions that you might have.